Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You know it's going to be a good day. They shall mount up with wings as a bull. Oh, it's an eagle. All right, so glad you're here today. It's always great the, the Sunday after Easter to see what's uh, going on in the world. And I hope you're good. I've seen parents out there trying to hop in the bouncy things. Uh, we'll do that. as We'll have an adult day someday, okay? Where you just go out and the, the, the bouncy things out there and just, just have a knockout time. Um, yeah, the kids are getting face paint and all that stuff. And uh, we're going to sugar them up. So good luck with your Sunday afternoon nap. Not going to happen. All right. Well, <clears throat> we started a series for the month of April as we uh, were approaching Easter. I thought, you know, let's talk about love because the, the greatest demonstration of love ever happened on the cross when Christ said, you know what, I'm going to be selfless and I'm going to think about the will of God and the need of man over my own life. Now that's a big task when you think about we're going to think more about what God wants than what we want and what mankind needs more than what we need. In our case, what others need more so than what we even need. So offensive love is both twofold. It's, it's a love that's proactive it's a love, in other words, that takes action. And uh, for somebody to say, I love you, but not have any corresponding action with that, um, they may love you. They may be loving you at the, the, the highest level they can. But I'm glad that God didn't just uh, echo his voice around the globe. Hey, earth, I love you. Hey, mankind, I love you. But he sent his son. So true love is proactive. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So love has a demonstration connected to it. And also, love is offensive in that God loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. And when you hear that, and someone loves you, and you know you don't deserve it, that's difficult to receive, is it not? If it's not difficult, you're an egomaniac. Okay, so anyway, well, I always deserve it. I'm all of that, you know. But truly, that kind of love, it was so strong. I believe it was the reason a lot of people in Jesus' day had difficulty with him because they didn't understand how this man could go around loving people that they perceived to be unlovable. And some people think they're lovable. But, and, and some people are easier to love than others. But the reality is, because of our sin nature, thank you, Eve. Uh, and if you're, <laughs> I hope there's no lady in here named Eve today. It's like, oh my God, he's talking about me. Uh, and I'm talking about the original Eve, all right? <laughs> but, you know, because of that, none of us are really truly lovable. So if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So Jesus is, these are Jesus' words in red. And he's saying, you know what? I'm doing to you what the Father's done to me. I'm giving to you what the Father's given to me. So in other words, I'm only doing this because I, I know he's done it. 
and he and I are one. I'm perfect, he's perfect, but I'm living in a fallen world, and I'm going to love you the way I see my Father loving you. See, he says, now remain in my love. So when Jesus says that, he's letting us know it may be difficult to remain in his love. You know how you get outside his love? By being mean, bitter, unforgiving, tacky, unkind, unwilling. That's how we get outside the love of God. Thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Not thinking enough of other people. We get outside the love of God. When you get angry, when you gossip. Gossip's killed more churches and people than guns. We ought to ban gossip. Because gossip kills. But what happens is when we get outside the love of God, we begin to see things differently than God does. When we're inside of God and we're inside the love of God, it's easier to see people the way God sees them. And it's, I, I understand we're all unlovable at times, especially around April 15th. Some of you go, what is that? You mean I was supposed to file taxes? Let me know how that works for you, all right? So, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And you're going to see what his commands are in a minute and why he commands it. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. The level of love, you may have seen this on our Mosaic Facebook page. I stated it last week. The level of our, the love we possess will determine the level of joy that we possess. So if you're not a joyful person, it's not because of circumstances that you lose your joy. It's because we're not in the love of God. When you're in the love of God, you will always find joy even in the darkest hour. So he said, I command that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other. This is his command. As I have loved you. If I do that, he tells me that I am going to remain in his love by operating in his command to love horizontally, not just vertically. There are a lot of people who say they love God, but they don't like you. So if you say you love the Father, you have to love me. It is not an option that you love me. God said so. And you know what? If you don't do it, I'm going to tell Daddy. We're called to love each other. You know, it's really easy to love God most of the time. I don't like every scripture in the Bible. Matter of fact, there are a lot of things God says I don't like. I don't even want to agree with. Bless those who persecute. Not in my neighborhood. Turn the other cheek. Mm-mm. We're going to match cheek for cheek up in here. You hit my cheek, I'm going to tweak your cheek. And then I'll go to church on Sunday and say, but they hit me first. And you know, Jesus, they don't love you anyway. I love you more than they do. And we start trying to debate this love thing with God. And the reality says if you can't love the people you can see, James said, then you can't love the God who you can't see. But nobody ever said love was easy. Ask Jesus if love was easy. Don't think for a minute. I think Jesus, there were times he wanted to reach out and really take out a whole troop of Pharisees. Say, no, he didn't. 
Oh, you don't think so? Read Matthew 23, my favorite passage, you brood of vipers, you snakes. You whitewashed sepulchers. Jesus got up in their business. You say, well, that wasn't love. You know why it was love? Jesus was trying to expose to them their own evil and their own sin so that they could come to know him. Whenever you find out that you have a sin or you are a sinner, it's the best day in your life. Because now you can do something about it. But when you have hidden sin that you're not aware of, it will erode your soul. So when Jesus exposes sin or when sin is exposed, it's not for the sake of shaming you. It's for the sake of changing you. And when you go look and you admit it, don't you feel better? No, not really. Some of y'all must have some really dark secrets that need to be told to your parents. But when you just kind of do that and and it liberates your soul because you go, you know, I don't have anything else. It's really kind of like throwing up physically. You know how it doesn't feel good at the time, but after it's all over and everything's wiped up? That's a gross. (laughs) Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. It doesn't say that he laid down his life for Christ. I always love it when people say, I'm willing to give my life for Christ. When you start telling me you're willing to give your life for your enemy, you are a mature Christian. This is not flying quite like I thought it would. I thought this love thing would be easy that we'd, oh, this is all mushy. Love is not mushy. And love is not red soda pop. Love is difficult work. And God puts people in our lives to work on us. I mean, some of y'all got a co-worker you've been praying out, and they ain't going nowhere until you love them. God's going to say, they're going to stay right there. Matter of fact, I'm going to put them in the desk next to you. You've been praying, God, please get them out of here. They're miserable human beings. I had that happen to me when I was in college. I was, uh, I had a, I was with UPS, and I'd get up at 3 in the morning, and I would go load and unload trucks You know, while I was going to college. And, uh, man, they hired a guy that was just a bonehead. I mean, I, I hated being around him. I didn't want anything to do with him. And, and I mean, I, you know, and I mean, I'm a theology student. You know, I know how to pray up in here. And I'm thinking, I got a special connection with God. And I'm praying everything I can to get rid of this guy. I, I was. I'm just telling you, honestly, before God and you. I'm thinking, get this guy out of here. And God said, no, huh. And finally, God said, I have him here for a purpose, and you're not listening. I Finally, one day at break, I, I invited him to go to church with me. I didn't want to spend any time with him. And, God's, and the minute I invited him to go, this guy cussed like a ship full of sailors. That was S-H-I-P. Because I heard that a little differently when it's coming out. Did he just say what I thought? I pop, 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 pop. I didn't want to be around this guy. And guy, I so I invited him to church. You know what he said? I'll come. And I went, why? I'm just trying to get you out of here. But God showed me that day, he said, there are people, difficult people put in your life 
so that you can show them my love. Don't get too excited. There are difficult people in your life, and God put them there. Does that sound mean? It does. But it's not mean. Ask Jesus. There were a lot of difficult people, and God sent Jesus to love those difficult people. So don't think for a minute that you can pray these people out. The very first thing is love is unconventional. Love is unconventional. It's not conforming to accepted rules and standards. The accepted rule and standard of this world, if someone mistreats you, you mistreat them. If someone doesn't do what they're supposed to do, then you're the one that's supposed to take care of it. You become the sin sheriff. You're the Barney Fife of our day. Deputized to take care of a fallen world. Like you're not a part of it. And like I'm not a part of it. And when people are hurting the most, guess what? That's when they need love the most. You don't need to tell them how bad they are because they already know. You need to tell them how awesome God is and how much you love them. Most of the time, love is restricted to the warm fuzzies when everything's going well. And that's great. It's, it's good. But the reality is love is felt the most when it's needed the most, like anything else. It's unconventional. How many of you know that, that when the Pharisees who... Can you just for a moment imagine the Pharisees? We read the Bible... We understand that they were a religious sect along with the Herodians, the Sadducees. These were a group of people highly respected with their robes and tassels walking about. And, and for the sake of respect, they wore all these and people respected them. But they were really just mean. And I'm telling you, some of their relatives are still alive today. And they still go to synagogue or church, whichever. I'm not pushing this off on synagogues alone, but any number of religious groups today feel like it's their job to make sure the rules are enforced. But love is unconventional, and love will oftentimes, if not most of the time, override the rules. It's called grace and mercy. You and I will not get to heaven because of works, because of good deeds, for any other reason than we exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this really makes religious people angry. It really does. It makes religious people angry. I've told you the story about me being asked to do a funeral of a guy that regularly frequented bars, never went to church. And, and this is a true story. And, and this was when I first started the church, first church here in Oklahoma City. And I was new to all this, but I understood grace because I needed it so desperately. When I got born again, I was as bad as anybody could be. And so when I got born again, I just thought grace was the most wonderful thing in the world. And so one of my staff members said, you know, my cousin was killed, got shot in a bar. And uh, he got, they, they thought they might save his life. He got in the ambulance. And while he was in the ambulance, the IMSA worker was a Christian. Asked him about his faith. And in that ambulance, he prayed to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of his life. Yeah, it was an incredible story. Well, so... As I do before any funeral, I meet with the family. I said, tell me a little bit about his life. Tell me the story up to the very end, what was happening. So they tell me this story about him getting born again in an ambulance. Well, this guy was a tough guy. So it, the, the funeral was in Tulsa. I lived here. I, and, and she said, would you do it? My cousin had no pastor, no church affiliation. I said, sure. So when I found out that he'd gotten born again in an ambulance, I thought, this is the greatest opportunity I'm ever going to have. Because I knew there would be a lot of really lost people at his funeral. How many of you know that? 
I'm going to tell you something. The bar scene is oftentimes tighter than the church scene. Oh, don't shout me down. Why do you, everybody's looking for community. Why do you think there was a whole sitcom called Friends that, I mean, uh, that cheers that took place in a bar? You want to go where everybody knows your name, isn't that right? Okay, let's get real. The church acts like, oh, we can't talk about how tight the bar community is. I think we need to talk about it. Because I'm going to tell you, when I showed up at that funeral, it was standing room only. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't want to preach wrong because I thought they'd kill me. I thought, these people are not the kind of people that are going, well, you know, that's a nice little message. So I never forgot, I preached this message about the grace of God and what it meant to be saved. And, 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 and I, you know, I just was nice. Why, you know, why are you mean to dead people? <laughs> Some people want you to be mean to them. Well, he was just a hellion and he did no good on earth. And let me tell all of you, you're going to burn with him. He's already gone to hell and you're going with him. No, I stood up and talked about how in that ambulance, somebody prayed for him. He gave his life to Jesus. And you could see all of his friends begin to kind of, their countenance lifted. And I talked about how good God was. Guess what? They all came up to me after the funeral. They were just so polite. Some of them talked to me about God. And then I get back to my office, and I get a letter from a denominational pastor. It was a long letter about how I wasn't mean enough, I wasn't direct enough. And I just wasn't born again enough to not call him. <laughs> Any of you ever have those, I'm not born again enough today? I was one of those, I'm not born again enough to overlook your stupidity. It was a nasty letter. He was a Pharisee. I know he was. <laughs> See, unconventional love is not focused on sin It's focused on redemption. That's what Christ focused on. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through me might be saved. That's what Jesus said. I'm not here to condemn you. You're already condemned. You can't double condemn me. I don't understand multiple life sentences. You only have one life. You can only have one sentence. You ever read about that? I read, I read the news, and it says, and they have multiple life sentences. I'm thinking, how many lives does this guy have? What, are you going to serve 80 years and then die and resurrect and serve another 80? How many life sentences can you have? How many different ways can you be condemned? You are condemned. I am condemned, except for Christ. And yet we go around judging people, looking at people's sin, and pointing it out because it makes us feel better. How many of you know there's not one place in the Bible that says one sin is worse than another? Don't get too happy. I'm disappointing all you goodies. How many times you heard somebody say, well, my sin's not as bad as theirs? That right there is worse than their sin. (laughs) I'm so good. When you, when you stand before Jesus, you're probably going to say, you know what I was? I was, on the, I was the chairman of the demon board, I mean the deacon board. Probably right the first time. So when Jesus, the Pharisees dropped this woman caught in the act of adultery at Jesus' feet, and the law said, remember that? And the law said she should be stoned. 
the law. But Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish it, but fulfill it. So through me, things changed. Remember, I talked about that last week. The conditions changed through Christ. And now Jesus points out to the Pharisees in the public arena, this is not a private showing. You see, they wanted her, they wanted to prove who Jesus was, and they did, that he was not going to bow to their laws, that he had come to change things. And in the public square, instead of taking the side of the religious people, Jesus demonstrated love in the public square for a woman who would be scorned and looked down upon. It's kind of what he does. And he's still doing it. And you know who he's doing it through? Us. I'm doing what I see my father do. And Jesus is saying, I want you to do what you see me doing. And we see it in the Bible. Now, I want to say this. Don't accidentally love. Don't love when it's convenient. Don't love when it feels good. Just love when it feels good. But this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up tomorrow, and I want you to write down, I'm going to be proactive today, and I'm going to intentionally love somebody. I'm not talking about the girl you've been trying to date. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hello. I'm talking about finding someone that's hurting, someone that you think has not been loved, and show an act of love. Take a Starbucks card. You say, that's an act of love? Or a Red Bull? That's an act of love. (laughs) To me. I've had people say, your heart's going to blow up. I'll just go to heaven. You can't scare me with heaven. Some of y'all act like you're going to live forever. I just plan on dying with a smile on my face. (laughs) And when I talk about death, some of you are freaked out. Oh, my God, he's going to die. You are too. Let me be pastor encouragement today. I think people who laugh a lot and love a lot will live a long time. That's just my theology. You don't have to like it. Don't really care. <laughs> Do you feel the warmth of that? Did you feel that? And you know why? Because whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. If I lived in need of everybody's approval, I'd be miserable. I am approved of by God. And by the way, he did tell me this morning I'm his favorite child. Uh, I don't know if that irritates you or not, but I'm just telling you what he told me. Some of you are going, that's just not fair. Who does he think he is? I'm his favorite child. And if you'd have been listening, you would have heard the same thing. You say, that's arrogant. No, it's not. That's called faith and confidence that had I been the only sinner on earth, Jesus would have said, I see Mark Crow, and I'm going to send my son to die for him. Hello, cheers, happy, happy. (laughs) See, we've created religion as this stuffy thing, and God is not stuffy. Offensive love is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Listen to this. The truth of the matter is that we're uncomfortable with God. We're disoriented by the way 
he loves. It messes us up. You remember when, when Peter, James, and John went to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus? And the love of God envelops the mountain, and there's a cloud, and there's a voice that comes out, and, and it, this is my son, you know, my well-pleased. Peter didn't know what to do. Hey, let's build some tabernacles. God shows up. The presence of God is there. And Peter has to start constructing something. He's uncomfortable. That's how come some people don't come to church. We start worshiping. They start feeling good. They go, <laughs> You get into church and you feel good, and we know what you did last night. So does God. And, you know, people don't come to church on Sunday morning because of what they did on Saturday night. Like, God doesn't know you did it. But if I go into a church, they're mind readers. We're really not. It's just easy to look at your face and tell you're hungover. And we love you anyway. We'll give you coffee. We'll give you Red Bull. We'll paint your face. <laughs> and see, this really irritates. If, if there's a religious person watching me this morning, they're mad. You're mad. I am. With wings. Love is not give and take. Love is not give and receive. Love is give. Jesus didn't die for us so that we would live for him. He died for us so that we could live forever. So Jesus didn't say, you know, here's the deal. I'm going to negotiate with mankind. God didn't go, okay, let's just negotiate. Let me get the group of Pharisees, Sadducees, and all the other C's, from C to C. And let's negotiate. I'll die for you. You live for me. No. He just said, God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't say there would be anything in return. Because love doesn't look for a return. It looks for people to pour itself into. That's what love does. And love is not easy because there are some really mean people on earth. We usually see them every morning. And it's not your spouse. And I promise every one of you looked in the mirror and if you didn't, you should have. Because you're looking at us and we're looking at you going, they don't have a mirror. Offensive love is unconditional. Now, this is critical. Unconditional meaning that when we are loved in any way, shape, form, or fashion, receive that love as love. Most of the time, people want to be loved conditionally. In other words, I want you to love me the way I want to be loved. Nothing wrong with that, but you, you won't be grateful for the love that's being given to you. For instance, today, there are those of you that lost your job. And now that job loss has caused you to think God doesn't love you because you don't have a job. Hold it. He gave his son for you. You're alive. Some of you are sad that you lost your spouse. Let me tell you, and not to death. They're still alive. And that really irritates you. 
And the thing about that is you're all distraught about it. And let me tell you something. God loves you. And he said, God, if you really loved me, I'd still have them. No, God really loved you or he wouldn't have given his own son. He really loves you or there'd be no grace towards your life or mercy. God really loves you or there would be no salvation. That's the love of God. And we place conditions on God. God, I'll love you if. Now, someday, if you just get happy and start loving people, you're going to get another spouse, and then you need to call your other spouse and say, hey, I'm happier than I've ever been. <laughs> okay, that's tacky, but just for a moment. Man, y'all still hung over from Easter chocolate. I can tell. Like, yeah. Your blood sugar is all over the place. So is mine. Anyway, we look. Yeah, you do. You're not saying what I want you to say. You're not doing what I want you to do. You're not giving me what I want you to give me. Unconditional love is the key to Thanksgiving. You want to know why? Not, not the holiday Thanksgiving. I'm talking about being thankful. You have no idea all the things that are wrapped up in love, from joy to gratitude to peace. If you love people, you'll be a peaceful person because you don't have you you you've not, you've chosen not to have enemies. Now there you may have a lot of enemies that that feel a certain way about you, but because of your love, you have no enemies. If you can love and truly, authentically practice love, you'll have peace and joy in your life. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you, if you start loving that person that works with you or that boss that you work for or whatever the case may be, you watch and see if in just a short period of time your whole countenance and attitude hasn't changed. We can't even get into the presence of God harboring hate. I'm not saying you can't go to heaven. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying, but you'll live a life without joy and peace. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I can't get in through the gates without thanksgiving. And I don't possess thanksgiving unless I have love. Because I'm complaining about the way God's not loving me and what God's not doing for me instead of being thankful for what he has done for me and what he will do for me. If you can't praise him from the platform of the present... Praise Him from the platform of the past when you were going to hell and praise Him for the future that you possess because now you're going to heaven. Because the present oftentimes does not oftentimes give us what we need to give the thanks that we want to give. So on a bad day, it's a bad day. When you just say, this day sucks and you're being real, that's all good. But I know tomorrow if it shows up, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, devil, you under my feet. It may not feel like it, but you are under my feet. And the days ahead for me are brighter than the days of the past and brighter than today. It's okay to talk to yourself. And I've come to believe it's okay to answer yourself. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing awesome. You know, if you can't have a conversation with somebody, just have one with yourself. I get up in the mornings, I start clapping. My morning routine, hey, hey! 
don't have anybody to talk to, so I talk to myself. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Today is a freaking great day. Some of you will come back next week just to see if I'm okay. You don't get this right now. You don't even like it. You were not born to survive. You were born to thrive. We have too many people getting by instead of getting up. I do. I got up this morning. I was like, yeah. Some of y'all ought to try this. I can tell you're going, you can't clap in rhythm. It bothers you. You don't even have to. You go, Because there's nobody there to criticize you but you, and you probably will. We're so self-critical. I can't even clap good. We have a comedian in that section, don't we? I'm glad they're entertaining you. Okay, I'll go over here. It's yeah. Go home and clap. All right, so offensive love is is it's uncommon. It when 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 Peter's like, how many times? How many? You know, we always look for the bare minimum. In that our our sin nature shops for the what is the bare minimum? When you go to apply for a job, what's the minimum? In a relationship, what's the minimum? Because of our sin nature, we live life by the minimum instead of asking what the maximum is. Some of you minimum wage. No, I don't want to know the minimum wage. I want to know the maximum wage because that's where I'm going. I don't want to barely get by. Jesus didn't pay to go, well, you know, we might get you to heaven if we have enough fuel. (laughs) Jesus died that we might have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly. That's why Christ died. And some of y'all acting like he ain't got enough juice to even get you there. If you get too happy, somebody tell you, don't be so happy. You ever been around people like that? You're just too happy. I want to be one of the people accused of being too happy. I want to be drug tested. Because <laughs> some of y'all grew up in the first church of the depressed. And you were told, we shouldn't be, we should be sober in church. <laughs> We've never had a sober church in more ways than one. We are, man, we used to have a lady, young lady, that would go to sleep on the second pew every Sunday. She'd just come in. You could smell last night all over her. Most people were just afraid of her. That's why they didn't say anything. I just loved it because it just addressed all the Pharisees. Thank God she didn't snore. I couldn't preach it happy enough to keep her awake. But you know what? Love never fails. You know that young lady gave her life to Jesus Christ. Today she's happily married, serving Jesus, living in Colorado Springs. Her name is Julie. And if you're watching, Julie, sorry, told your story. And she would say, yeah, and you don't know the half of it. You just know what you saw. It's uncommon when somebody loves us and we don't deserve it and we know it. 
Lastly, love is unselfish. Love never takes. You hear people say, well, love is give and take. Love never takes. Love might receive, but it never takes. If you have to take, it's not love, it's lust. Love receives. It gives and receives. Christ gave us his love. He receives our praise. Not because he required it, but because we're grateful and we're thankful. That's why we sing songs at the first of church. Some people say, well, you know, some people come in. And I'm not mad at you if you come in late. I'm just glad you're here. But, but you're missing out on something. You're missing out on giving love to Jesus. Because that's what worship is. Giving love to Jesus. It, it's, it's not just a part of a worship service. It's a part of loving God. When you get up in the morning and you praise Him, it's not because you want to impress Him. How many of you know it? It would be kind of hard to impress the guy that made the galaxies. Hey, listen to me sing. I hit that high C. <laughs> and he goes, hey, come over here. That's the Milky Way. I did that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Done with the impression thing. <laughs> you see, we love everybody. We're not called to change people. We're called to love people. And love does the rest of the work. We don't. And so... Anytime anybody comes into this church, our job is to love. That's our job. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. I love that we're all different. There are short people. There are tall people. There are square people. Uh, they're all round people. They're all pleasant people. We have different fingerprints. We're different. We like different things. Some of you have long hair. Some of us have very little hair. Some people have no hair. Yeah, everybody, all you bald people. You know, if I ever go there, I'm just going to buy a buffer and shine for Jesus. <laughs> to all of you bald people, follically challenged, yes. There's not a shampoo in the world that's going to help you. Let me just tell you, they're lying. <laughs> but I have been told there will be hair piece in heaven for you. All right, so actually you'll probably have a full head of hair growing out and everybody else will be bald. Okay, so either way you stand out. Okay, so I'd love to have a spotlight right now. Whoop, whoop. Love never fails. Perfect love casts out fear. Remember that. Perfect love casts out fear. All the fear in your life, the perfect love of God will cast that fear and take apprehend that fear. And when you love someone perfectly, you're going to help them overcome their fear. 